This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. We did it! (laughs) Yeah! It was originally going to be four episodes, and then we really thought at the end of the fourth episode we might make it to six. Then we limped to ten... And then we limped on to 12, and that was about as far as we thought we were going to take it. Shag, real talk, in your heart of hearts, how many do you think we'd get to? So, I'm going to be really real with you, Peach, and I've never said this before. After our first <laughs> episode, I was like, oh, maybe this won't work. <laughs> maybe. I was like, you know, because you don't know until you make something. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I thought in my head, I just, I just thought it would be something else. We famously have, like, Shag, you have a very frustrating perfectionist streak in you. <laughs> we famously have a podcast that we put a fair bit of work into called What's Up with Peach and Shag <laughs> that is nine years old this year, 2012. We yeah. would have recorded six to eight to ten episodes. Yeah. And famously in our friendship, you were just like, no, I don't think it's good enough. Even though you didn't listen to podcasts and you had no basis performing that view like i had never listened to a podcast and i was like i assume this isn't up to scratch (laughs) (laughs) that is actually a really good piece of trivia so fussy eater wasn't our first podcast in fact Mm. what's up with peach and shag was our first and i don't know it probably exists on one of my hard drives somewhere but it will never see the light of day yeah like i'm very comfortable with it never coming out This has turned into What's Up with Peach and Shag, in fairness. This is basically that. So, you know, and look, look, we never knew where we were going to get to. For Mm. a long time, around episode 40 to 50, I wanted to turn it into a meta horror story, which is why there's lots of creepy stuff that starts (laughs) happening and then just stops. Because it was like, no, this is too much fun. Let's never stop. I've been listening back to old episodes and you're like, guys, episode 52 is coming up. It's going to be one year since the date of the things we're coming (laughs) We just never really, nothing really happened. I think the thing is, it's like, this is is one of those things where... Mm. It just is too much fun to stop. There's been so yep. many times. Episode 66 would have been a perfect episode to just yep. end it and do something cool. But then that just passed and we're like, no, this is just too much fun. So we've hit episode 100 and real, real talk. Mm. You know, all these dates are arbitrary. We've actually put out 108 episodes, but this is the 100th <laughs> named episode. Yes, the 100th film we will have dealt with. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So... Uh, Look, I'm really excited to be celebrating this here with you, Peach, and with everyone Mm. listening. And if if you'd have told young Peach in episode one what this sound would have been all about, then there's almost no chance it would have been about a alcohol-free kombucha because I was super stressed about heaps of work that I'd have to come and do after this. <laughs> Two years ago, Peach would be like, whatever, loser old Peach. <laughs> Just have a long neck anyway. It was two years ago. That's two insane. Ago. It was two, like two and a half years ago. The first ones we recorded were like January, February 2019. 
when Peach in his shirt and tie was smashing Resh's long necks and he had all his hair and sadly it's not looking good for old uh, 2021 Peach but here's a ginger lemon kombucha to, uh, to, to the death of 2019 Peach and the endless thousand year reign of 2021 Peach. What's up? Peach, I've got to ask, as both a listener, because you're the one who listens to these episodes. Yeah, I know you don't listen. And as a presenter, mm. do you prefer the episodes where you're tipsy or you're stone sober? Uh, probably stone sober is my honest um, is my honest feedback. I find it really hard to get a grip on what the fuck I'm talking about. I find it really frustrating. Um, but there was one, I think Dread was one we hadn't drunk for a while on and then it was like, all right, we've got to get it in. Um, and that actually was is probably my favourite because I think it's probably just the most I've ever cacked mm. aside from those like nights where you have cannabis and... You're like, oh my gosh, are we the funniest group of people saying the funniest <laughs> jokes that anyone's ever heard? Um, and it turns out that you're not that. Um, so aside from nights like that, I think it's the most I've laughed before. So yeah, I think maybe definitely not extreme faded. My extreme faded ones are never fun because I lose the train of the story. And they're usually the episodes that are like 15 minutes when you go yeah. through. You know, like usually like an average Spooko episode is like 30 to 35 minutes, but every yep. now and then we have a 12-minute episode. Where I'm like, oh. I say Orphan is a highlight. Listening back, Orphan is a great episode. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Okay, so. And Kill List is underrated. Kill List. Oh, oh yeah, people should go back. Ugh. It is one of the least listened to episodes and it's worth your time are both the film and the episode if you're a real spooko head um do that but anyways 100 episodes so i had to do a bit of research coming up i like if you'd have told me there's a podcast with 100 episodes i would have said that's a pretty famous podcast <laughs> imagine what a google search would turn up so um, <laughs> <laughs> so the most popular um response that isn't just one of those podcast aggregating um, Shag, I know you don't like podcasts, so you don't know this, but basically there are heaps of like SEO sucking websites that just take the bio from podcasts and post them all around the place. Yeah, so right. if you ever Google a podcast, the first two pages of results are just from these stupid sites. First one is a YouTube page with 119 subscribers. Hello, friends. Welcome to Spooko's channel. Same spelling. If you don't know Spooko, here's the story. Spooko is a half-blind rescue cat we adopted <laughs> when he was six months old. <laughs> his eye had already been hurt when he was first rescued by his foster mom on Halloween night now, from Peach, an abandoned house. Now, Peach, I'm just going to interrupt here. When I started mm. Spooko, I Googled mm. that name and I couldn't find it anywhere. Is this a recent page? Joined Feb 4, 2017. Ooh, Ooh okay. All right. Well, that, that's, what, that's what I get. Anyway, all right. Well, look, you myself and you know the instagram page have also done a little yep. bit of research leading up to mm. this because I, what i wanted to do is before we get into today's films yep film plural mm, Ooh, before, okay. before we get into that mm. i wanted to go back and look at some of the rules we i guess organically discovered from yep. you know going through these films not just from me telling you about these films but from you as you know a first-time horror appreciator mm. having like a really interesting take. Yep. I've culled them into a top 10 list. Now, oh, these are in no particular order. You're so good at this, Shaq. Ugh, sorry to just have an aside. You're awesome. This but is Peach, exciting. Peach, these are our, you mm. know, I guess they're kind of, they're, I guess they're horror observations. You could yep. call them rules. They're not all 100% rules, but mm. each one of these you could spend a whole trivia. episode. Around. It's horror trivia. Yeah. Right. Okay. You, you ready for this? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, all right. So these do you, the... like, do, do, do you have a favourite? Are we starting with one you don't like? Um, or... Oh, look, to be honest, they're all my children. I love them all. Oh, lovely. And yep, they're yep, all linked it. to films and episodes, which I think is awesome. Oh, shit. Well done. Okay. Wrong. First one's a fun one, and I think this came up in the Paranormal Activity episode. Number okay. one, ghosts aren't scary. Yes. It's such a funny, dumb thing of like, well... If you could have done that, then why then why didn't you do it? It's similar. Look, this actually has echoes. I was listening to the Urban Legend um, episode the other day, and you might remember the protagonist murders Tosh, who's in the same room as the eventual victim that mm. they're chasing overnight. I'm like, well, you could have murdered your eventual victim, but you went ahead with Tosh. It strikes me that ghosts are disorganized and certainly, <laughs> <laughs> and they're certainly not goal driven. Like, I know how hard it is to form goals. <laughs> it's like, I just hope people goal. like me and, you know, things go all right. And I feel like that's what ghosts are. They're like, look, hopefully things just keep, keep going my way. <laughs> and that's the extent of their strategy. It, that's a really good point, actually, because as mm. any motivational speaker will tell you, Luck is something you create for yourselves. And ghosts don't understand that. Ghosts are like, exactly. I'll just wait for the perfect moment to enact my ghostly yeah, plan. To progress my interests. Hopefully <laughs> the perfect moment will come along. Okay, number two. Now, this is a so, big one. So ghosts ironically need a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> so number two. Number two. All right. Mm. Now, there's there's two parts to this, right? Um, yep. But this is a big one. So... This comes from a couple of points people made. Uh, it also mm. comes from the famous quote from the very original crossover episode we did with Too Scary Didn't Watch, yep. where M made the point that corn is scary. Mm. Anything out of context is scary, right? Yes. You know, anything like, like here's, a, here's one I was thinking about while I was going for a run just before. An mm. ice cream man is the loveliest thing. Like, you Great. go, like, yep. you know, where's Hot the cap? Afternoon. The whole Can't thing, wait. all the flavor. Do you want to try these? It's like delicious. Mm. Take an ice cream man out of context, midnight in a spooky van, maybe carrying something sharp. Scariest fucking thing in the world. Haircut. Great. Get one every day. <laughs> Have one like seated on a stool in a full bath. Oh, what's going on here? Now, now here is the ultimate thing out of context that's scary. Yes. Any song in the world sung a cappella is spooky as fuck. Absolute 11 out of 10 truth to my spooko girls. <laughs> Let me see your hands. Throw them at those podcasts hating on you with their friends. Girl, you got it. Even Drake's fancy, you know, Ayo, you know, we're back on our J O. Okay, number three, number three. This is mm. this is an important one, and this is yep. you know this is for people trying to create films. So this is to all the directors yes, who are still stuck studios. on. Yeah, so all the directors who are still on LinkedIn trying to get their names out there. <laughs> this is what you got to remember. So revealing yep. the backstory of your monster is a fine line. If it's a spooky yes. doll, don't reveal anything. If it's a cosmic horror Cthulhu, give us as much as you got. Completely agree. So the more unusual the facade, the more our demand for backstory. Yeah. Is that right? I reckon the more the thing is just a thing out of context, we don't need too much backstory. But the more the thing is a created thing that 
doesn't really exist in the world, give us yep. backstory. Yeah, completely agree. So our scoop, spooky ice cream person, you're like, oh, well, some ice cream people are spooky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. but if you were then like, oh, well, when that ice cream person was young, they... Were, went into they had the an poison abusive... factory and you <laughs> know they factory. had their ice cream and they saw someone get poisoned while they were eating an ice cream. Or okay, all right, okay, all right. Four. Number four. Now this is important because mm. it's a thing. I feel like I say this about every film we do, and I'm going to say mm. it about today's film, and it's not a lie. Every single yep. horror film ever made is a cult film. It's so funny. This this gets into the chat you and Alexi had about genre on the society episode, which is a sort of um, can a genre pick really ever become a mainstream banger? You and Megan Riakos discussed this as well, mm. as like about whether um, we can really take horror to the mainstream and how it's almost definitively not. Yeah. And then even I think I think you've told me before that there is like a backlash against a twenty four of like oh. I don't want all these hipsters in my genre kind of thing. I mean, completely right because, and I'm guessing here, but knowing mm. how fandom works, I reckon there's mm. a subset of horror fans that are like, oh, you like Hereditary, do you? Well done. Have you seen <laughs> Terrifier? Sort of thing. I reckon yep. that would be a thing, right? Yeah. But at the same time, Hereditary deserved to win every single Oscar. Mm. Hereditary is a perfect film. It, it fulfills a lot of the coming up points on this list. It is truly mm. a horror film and it doesn't because it's a horror film. Yeah, okay. And so, like, it must have won the best horror, the, horror, the spooky it one. M- it might have won an edit- Yeah, and it might have won an editing Oscar uh, or something yeah, like that. You know, you know what? Yeah, it'll yeah. win something like that. Uh, Tony Collette might get a best supporting actress, even though she is the film. Yep. That and the weird looking kid. Yep. Oh, God. I'm going to add an extra one in here that I forgot that's yep. like, if you're a weird looking kid, you have a future in horror movies yes. for, for your next like 10, 20 years. Leverage it. Leverage it. Like it's a blessing. And I don't mean weird by ugly. I don't mean weird in a, and, and, mm. and, and, well, no, no, well, no. So I just mean like if you're the kid from To Kill a Sacred Deer or the girl from Hereditary, just keep yep. milking. You belong in horror films in the best possible way. So what strategy should they adopt to do that, Jack? <laughs> do you think they should just app heaps of... <laughs> I mean, it's subjective too, right? So mm. it's like, how do you... Like, how... Like, it'd be tough to be self-aware enough to be like, I... I'm weird. weird. Yeah. And even that, yeah, marketing yourself on looking weird, like, I think must mm. mess with your head a bit as well. Mm. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to number five because yeah. that was a, that was a... <laughs> that's actually bumming me out. Yeah. Bit. All right. Well, okay. Well, this one this one's gonna bro- this one's gonna raise the roof once again. Sick. Um, <laughs> Sick. Serial killers. They love a lot yes. of things, right? They love masks. Yeah. They love yep. they love tilting their heads to the side. Yes, without saying stuff. Yes. But most of all, they love making art with people's they body do. parts. They bloody love it. They bloody love it. <laughs> Well, in fact, maybe they like purchasing it or engaging third parties to make it because we so this 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 is what what we learn in Chuck Tingle's novel Straight that you, you know it's very very rare that we're taken behind the curtain mm. of the art of the art making process. So the Texas Chainsaw family, it may be that they you know enslaved some craftspeople to turn their human leather into the accoutrement around their house. I mean, I've and seen I- enough Project Runway and Drag Race to know that. When designing an outfit, you always start with a sketch. 
Where are the sketches yep. of all the human skin lampshades? Where are the yep. like, oh, maybe I need to do this. Like, where's that? Where is that step in the process? There are so many elements of craft work when dealing with the human body as well. So if you remember, Dr. Giggles secreted himself inside his mother's corpse to hide. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so that, that, it sort of leans, leans back to making sculpture and making craft has such an engineering element. Like, you, like you're really in the sciences there after... <laughs> How do you fit inside someone else's body? And then huge, huge point, going back mm. to Wrong Turn and mm. all the other cannibal films we've done, mm. treating meat... Because you know, if we're going to treat humans as as product, we're treating them like yep. meat. And mm. as any butcher will tell you, yes. you can't just take an animal that's freshly died and just chop it up into pieces and be 100%. like, here's a bunch of pieces I need to do. You can't do that. Yep. And, and again, like the amount of butcher shaming that goes on in horror oh. as well. We need to reclaim the word butcher. Mm. Butcher means to respectfully treat a humanely killed or otherwise accidentally killed animal in the most, uh, I've already used the word respectful, in the best way possible mm. after their death. Yeah. Butchery is about respecting the living animal and respecting the dead carcass that the living animal has left behind. And, you know, there's an element of skill and, you know, heritage to the term butcher. So, mm. and, and if you are butchered by a serial killer, it means they're using every part of you. <laughs> Those detail serial killing. I would be proud to be butchered. I don't want to be serial killed, but I'd be proud to be butchered. I'm just putting that out there. I, I have a bit of a weird brag that I think I'd be fairly delicious. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the peaches brag ever all right tell me a bit more about why you would be delicious well like i have moderate um muscle coverage like you know i do like strength training and so mm-hmm. my joints so my like like hips and ass is quite like thick muscularly mm-hmm. but also i'm not very thin so there's a layer of fat over that so if you were to kill <laughs> this is me actually making me hungry <laughs> <laughs> so if you would uh, sorry and also i'm quite old so it's a joint. So if you were gonna, if you were gonna kill kill me, firstly my ribs would probably be delicious because there'd be <laughs> like a moderate layer of muscle there, but also covered with like a fat cap that it's sort of rendered down. Um, my belly, I mean, what up? What's good? It's an abdominal wall that can squat 150 kilos and is a reasonably high body fat percentage. So you'd get the moisture from the fat weeping through with a moderate layer of muscle there as well. I think it'd be pretty nice. Oh, man. Um, okay. Well, my liver probably wouldn't be very nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think a slow-cooked, like, peach's thigh or maybe, like, the hip and you come through and pick out the meat and turn it into, like, a ragu. Oh, like even um, a peach brisket. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put it on a sandwich. <laughs> Yum. Six. All right. Okay, okay. Number six. Uh, there are two horror claims that can apply mm. not just to every horror film, but every film mm. ever made, but are often <laughs> applied to horror films to make yes, them seem yes, spooky. Yes, I know. Number yeah, one, this one. Number yes. one, every single thing in the world is inspired by true events, not yes, just a couple. Like everything yes. is. Absolutely everything is. <laughs> Such a good rule. But number two, you will die after watching every single film. Every, <laughs> like not just horror, like every single film, like you will die after. It's not oh. special. Somebody should go back into Ringo and be like, you'll die after watching this videotape. It's like, well, you'll die after, <laughs> die after 
to every watching every video. In fact, you'll die after not watching this videotape. Watch yeah, it or don't, like, you'll die. Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like the message of that is like it's correlation, not causation. <laughs> It'll be like you will die. You will watch this film, but they are not related. It's things. not really ring. It's just life. It's like yeah, that's just people die. Bummer. I'm sorry you were like abused by your scientist volcano dad, but. Everyone dies. Uh, that was the first time we mentioned Warhammer. I think the only time we mentioned Warhammer as well, the Ringu app. That was a good first. Seven. All right, number seven. This is important because mm. this profession, I guess you'd also call it a calling. I don't mean to, you know, I'm not shaming anybody who believes butchers? in religion. No, 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 no not no, at no. all. I feel like our podcast is doing a lot to help beef up the, you know, the, the social value of this. Priests are superheroes. Yep, 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 yep. You get anointed, get your magic powers, <laughs> head down to hell, then just go hand-to-hand combat with some demons. That is what the priesthood is. And also, and without, enjoy. without priests, we wouldn't know, and also thanks, this one came up on the Insta yeah, call out. We wouldn't know that, according to priests, the spookiest time of the day is 3 a.m. because demons see that as an inversion of mm. like the Holy Trinity and bloody love it. They're it's super God, at 3 a.m. Because God loves afternoon tea. So at 3, at 3 p.m., God's like, oh. yeah, still got some work to do, but I've got some stuff done today. And so 3 a.m. is the opposite of 3 p.m. That actually might be one of my favorite episodes, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, purely because it, it's marketed as a horror film, but it's this weird conversion tool. It's probably the most oh. Christian film I've ever seen in my life. I've forgotten the name of the one about like God's God's not dead, like oh, God yeah, apostrophe God's not dead. Yes, it's called God's you mentioned not dead. <laughs> if a film can't be a like I think if you're trying to market a film film, a a basic tenet must be it has to be a competent hashtag. Surely these yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like you must be able to turn it into a hashtag. It must be a basic test. Alright, number eight in our rules, if you're keeping count, I am. you'd get used to hell. You just bloody oh, would. It doesn't matter what, so like if it's true. fire and brimstone or if it's the worst day of your life mm. or it's just something, whatever, you just get, your, like like anything, you get to a point where you'd be waking up and you'd be like, G'day, Satan. <laughs> you know, you'd, be like, you'd be like, I'm going to gouge your eyes out. It's like, I know, I know. Let me get my eggs first. <laughs> like you'd just get to a point where you'd be in the pocket and you'd be, like, it, it, I'm sure it'd be a. No- You'd be cruising along. I mean, think about it. So think about it. Like we've we've been to hell in a couple of these movies. Uh, Hellraiser two, we went to hell, mm. where it's this weird labyrinth yeah. with a giant pyramid at the end. Tell me you wouldn't get used to being in a giant labyrinth, and maybe maybe the fact of being enclosed in this labyrinth would kind of be calming. Yeah, you know how like when you're in lockdown, you get to a point where you get really used to like working from home all the time. Like maybe that'd actually be a cool place to hang out. But if, and if you can't die um, and, you know, you're not suffering from hunger or pain, exactly. It's just like a an eternal state of meditative wandering. Mm. You're like, oh, okay, cool. My soul will wander forever. And, and even that, if you are suffering that. from, like, pain and hunger, maybe you'd become, like, it'd be like a Buddha sort of thing where it's like you just eventually push all your, like, want to the side and you reach, like, an ultimate zen. Maybe the way to actually reach zen is to go to hell. Oh my gosh! So hell is actually heaven—the most <laughs> hellraiser outcome of all. <laughs> Nine. 
All right, finally, I'm going to end with just a couple of mm. ones that are about, you know, what this podcast truly is about, which is, you know, getting people like yourself to not only get over their fear of horror, but come to enjoy mm. its quirks. Number mm. nine, horror takes risks that no other genre yeah. can. So true. So true. I, I, I love horror for that. I'm like, let's have a film about a haunted basketball. That's okay. great. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, but, but I mean, let's, let's, let's use examples. You know, let's have a film that's a satire on classism that, you know, involves a bunch of aliens in the upper class of L.A. who shunt and, <laughs> you know, have a, have a ritual orgy where they all mold bodies together and, and slowly feed on each other's juices. Like, fucking amazing. Or they have a process where they, have a process where they, they arrive at a great metaphor. They go, hey, look, we really need to be able to describe how the rich get everything first and then everything's left to the poor. How are we going to nut this out? And someone says, no, stop. We've, <laughs> You've it's just, horror. Yeah. We can just do that. We can just do that. <laughs> we can literally, the metaphor is the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go any further. I'm, I'm actually, with that in mind, I'm surprised there isn't another Netflix horror movie called like Trickle Down or something <laughs> like that. Ten. And then the final one, the final mm. one is one of the ones we've talked about a lot, which is truly at the, you know, like truly gets to the core of like, you know, not only what this podcast is about, but what horror is about, you know. Yeah, capitalism sucks. Capitalism oh, sucks. It doesn't need to have a, it doesn't need to have like a depressing ending, but it does need to leave you feeling just like a little bit off center. Mm. Like you need to feel almost like a little bit worse about the world afterwards. And then horror has done its job. I've been asked whether Avengers Infinity War is a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> because at the end, the bad guy wins. And the response I have is, no, it is not. <laughs> but I actually couldn't come up with, with, with much beyond, no, it is not. Uh, in large part, because it's not a genre film. It's a, it's a blockbuster. But it's a, it's a genre shag that I think I've come to with a closed mind and closed eyes and closed ears that the more time I've spent with it, the more warmth I've felt towards it. Like there is a bit of an affection you get because it, it does feel like a community of people who want to challenge the way they look at the world. And there's something very courageous and attractive about that. All right. For today's hundredth episode, um, I haven't chosen like a classic. I haven't chosen a recent film that I bloody loved. In fact, I didn't necessarily love this film, <laughs> but I fucking love the Wikipedia synopsis of this. What I wanted to Sick. do for our hundredth episode is choose a film series in which the Wikipedia synopsis is not only hilarious, but gets funnier from film to film. So for the first film in today's hundredth episode, Paige, congratulations. We are doing a cult horror film called The Collector. My family's in here. You can save them.
That is the tonally strangest trailer <laughs> that I think I've ever seen. I don't know what I'm meant to feel after that trailer. That is completely bizarre. All right. Well, let me let me tell you a few things about this one. Now, you mm. know, we talked about how horror does things that no other genre can. One mm. of the things horror has done lately, which I think is hilarious, is create a subgenre that's just around traps. That's like. <laughs> bad traps that kill people right and what i love about the trap subgenre is how much deus ex plot you need to do to get people to have to deal with traps because it's like traps are annoying and hard to set up and it's really easy to avoid traps that like you know it's like it's hard to avoid someone with a gun coming towards you but if someone's like painfully setting up traps number one it's pretty easy to see something as a trap and number two like, to give them the license for them to be like, hang on, just wait a second, I've got to set up these traps. And then you have to deal with them. So it's a very funny and fun genre for that reason. And they're each feats of engineering as well. Like, part of part of homeschooling is we're doing some Rube Goldberg machines, which are fucking so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> so, like, setting up ones you're certain would kill people is a feat that ought to be applauded. Like, completely, right? Because it's like, I think the main thing you discover when, you know, uh, and I think everybody's first experience with Rube Goldberg machines is playing that board game Mousetrap mm. that never fucking worked. Never yep. worked. You could yep. never get that thing to work. Imagine how much trial and error would go into these deadly traps to actually make them work. And so, we're, like, yeah, we're, we're seeing a killer at their full powers in every, uh, in every trap genre film. All right, so... I, like, I said it in the rules, but this is a genuine cult horror film. This is one of those films that's actually talked about by, like, the, the hardcore horror fans. I see it get mentioned quite a bit. It's on Shudder, which, you know, like... It, it, I've forgotten why it's Boo, but Boo, Shudder. But so, it, it is, it's one of those films, right? So, there's a lot of funny stuff about this. First of all, it was created by a team called Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton, who... Unless you're a hardcore horror fan, you wouldn't know, but they wrote and created Saws 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> so they've just been sharpening their uh, trap, <laughs> their trap, trap genre expertise. That's awesome. All right. So this is so it's a film from 2009. Actually, it did okay because it's, it's a very cheap film. It was made for $3 million, made $10 million at the box office, which is crazy for a film no one's heard of unless yeah, you're see. a horror fan. So, actually, like, so there's a reason why it's gone on to spawn sequels. I, I almost am so excited to get through this one because the plot to the collection, which is the sequel to this, is the most ridiculous thing ever. And the Wikipedia <laughs> synopsis is amazing. But this one's great too. Um, all right. So the collective begins with uh, a married couple, Larry and Gina Wharton, returning home to find their power is out. Now they're returning home to one of those like classic sort of built off the plan, two-story Mac- McMansion? home. McMansion. Very much a yeah. McMansion. Big yep. backyard, that sort of thing. They go upstairs and they discover a large trunk. It's a big red trunk, the sort of thing a magician would have. Yeah, okay. They open it and are horrified by its contents. We don't see the contents. They mm. are then attacked by an unseen assailant. That's a super boring opening, actually. Yeah, super boring, right? Like, who yep. cares? Like, I don't yep. know who these people are. Yep. Like, I, I guess you're supposed to be like, what's in the box? Yeah. But the box didn't do it. The thing in the box didn't do it. Yeah, I guess they were. <laughs> All right. Okay. So then we cut to former convict 
Arkin O'Brien. Now, we know everything about Arkin because he has lots of conversations with people being like, Arkin, eh? It's a funny name. And it's like, well, it's the sort of name you have when you're a former convict. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's that that sort of level of characterization. Was he sent to jail for a crime he didn't commit? Oh, probably. Like, he's, yeah, he's, nice. a, he's a convict with a heart of gold, right? Nice. Now, nice. full credit to this film because even though it's a traps film that goes for 90 minutes and it's hilariously gory, there's literally no gore for the first half an hour. Which is a lot of restraint for an indie <laughs> horror film. Like, you, we've, we've gone through a lot of these. You know, it's, it's crazy that they didn't start with, like, a disgusting decapitation or something. But they didn't, you know? That's awesome that they're doing their best. They're holding their breath. <laughs> now, he is a handyman for the Chase family, who are a super rich family. And he likes them all, especially the younger daughter, Hannah. They also have a teenage daughter who is literally like 30 years old. Like I've never <laughs> seen an older teenager. It's hilarious. But they also have a youngest daughter, Hannah, who is that classic horror movie character where she's the most innocent. In fact, there's two really innocent kids in this film. And they're just oh, like, God, okay. they're just like, I love you sort of thing. And have you met my wabbit? You know, it's that sort <laughs> yeah, of character. Yeah, right? nice. Even though they're probably 11 or 12. And... You know, 11 or 12-year-olds in this century are already teenagers, so yeah, none yeah, of it rings like, true. <laughs> <laughs> Can I steal your credit card for some Nintendo Switch credits or whatever? So we know that he's a handyman at this house. After work, he goes to meet his daughter at a bowling alley. His daughter is basically, again, his daughter is like 80 years old, but is basically like... Daddy, do you have a present for me? And the dad gives her like a toy rabbit or something. And then the wife or ex-wife, I'm assuming ex-wife appears and she's just like, you're late. And he's like, oh, hello. Like like they just have like a really, like there's a lot of characterization. I'm just trying to say there's a lot of characterization that happens here. Anyway, she's basically like, I need that money you promised me. And he's like, why and she's like those people i promised it to need it tonight he goes well can't i talk to them and then classic a little bit more exposition they're loan sharks they don't listen (laughs) it's a real loan shark ex machina just to move the plot along (laughs) not the loan sharks so 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 it's revealed that arkin's not just a handyman he's actually been casing the chase's house for months because they have a valuable ruby in their safe. Ruby X Machina. They have a valuable... Rubies, rubies are so easy to liquidate as well. If you need money tonight, <laughs> get yourself a ruby. <laughs> like, I've, I'm involved in valuation disputes about jewellery, right? It's extremely difficult to value. People just make it up. <laughs> How do you know you're getting full value for this ruby? Oh, man. So anyway, so he's like, okay, to protect my wife and daughter, I will get this ruby. I will go to this house and steal it tonight so she can pay off her loan sharks. I guess with the ruby. I guess that's the plan. Yeah, like, uh, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, here's the ruby. (laughs) Because they would be like, we have a specific amount you owe us. And she'd be like, here's a ruby. They'd be like, cool. Well, yeah, but they'd be like, what what the fuck is this? I'm not a ruby expert. (laughs) (laughs) So also there's a moment where Arkin also has like, he has a moment. He also has like a loan shark or someone he owes money to. And they're like, well, you've been casing the joint for months now. <laughs> and it's like, okay, mm. cool. So that's how we know. That's how we know he's been casing the joint for months because okay. someone said it. All right. Okay. So he goes into this house at night. And as he attempts to crack the safe, 
a masked figure locks the door. And then he starts hearing weird sounds, like he hears creaks, and then he hears some screams through the vents, and he's like, what the fuck? Anyway, so Michael, who is the father from the Chase family, appears, and he's got heaps of injuries. He's he, he's wearing, like, you know, classic dad business dad attire, but it's all ruffled and his shirt's untucked. Shirt untucked for business dad, we know shit's gone down. Yeah, yeah, look out. Now, he crawls into the room, sees Arkin, thinks he's the perpetrator, grabs a golf club, and Arkin's like, no, 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 it's not me. I don't know what's happening. I want to save you. Michael then tries to hit Arkin, but he triggers the first trap. Now, this trap is like... And you know he triggers the trap because his his foot hits a wire and then the camera does a whole, like, almost like an Edgar Wright sort of follow the wire, goes like... Or, like, all around the thing. Oh, around the, the thing. Like the Fast and the Furious where you look inside the car. Yeah, exactly shot. like yeah. that. Like like they've just hit the Noz um, button or whatever. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's, like, a thing around his foot and he's dragged around the house and then he's dragged onto the ceiling and then the thing drops him on the ground so it was like a lasso around his leg and then we see a masked man drag michael into the basement so is michael dead well we will see right okay yeah yeah. so now we're on arkin and arkin starts to realize the whole house is rigged with traps right so first of all he tries to call 911 but when he picks up, then this is the dumbest thing ever. He picks up the phone and puts it to his ear and there's a giant nail out of the phone. So it just goes into, <laughs> and it's like, ow. And then instead of just like unscrewing the phone, because this is 2009 and people have mad yeah. lines. Instead of like unscrewing the phone and just taking out the nail, he's like, well, I can't use this phone anymore. <laughs> it had one it's nail so, in it. It's so funny to put a nail in a phone. <laughs> it's the worst trap. It's the shittest trap. But that's what the traps are like. He then looks out. I love that the nail didn't attach the receiver to the base of the phone no. didn't function. how did that work how did that work <laughs> um he then goes to the window but notices all the windows have been boarded up and he reaches his hand through one of them and realizes that they all have razor blades attached to them which is a really gross scene because then he has to pull his hand back in i thought he was casing the joint did he not find <laughs> like did, did he not find out all of this we assume this happened in the time between him going to see his daughter and wife and other lone shark and him coming back to rob the place. Okay. So, no, he didn't case the joint. Well, like he didn't he, case like it. he didn't realise there was someone building traps. Actually, that's stuff. a really good point because surely this per- he would have noticed that somebody else was casing the joint as well. Surely part It'd of casing wood, the joint. Wood shavings and engineering drawings and stuff. And mm. he'd be like, well, what's all this trap-related uh, trap related paraphernalia about? Okay, so Arkin... Keep, he goes around the house, he sees all these, he sees like, it's so dumb, he sees like knives tied to the chandelier and he sees like rusty nails coming out of stairs and he notices like a, there's so many tripwires, fuck, like this house <laughs> has so many fucking tripwires and he, and he notices them all and like it's kind of fun that the movie's like sets it up to be like, here's a whole bunch of traps, well, I wonder what it would be like if someone set them off. He realises he needs to like, I, I guess he needs to find some like tools or like weapons or something to get out. So he goes down to the basement where he finds Michael tied up as well as his wife, Victoria, like tied up in the... Like the, the Michael is tied to a chair. Victoria is tied up in the bathroom. Mm. He finds out that the older daughter, Jill, is out and Hannah, the younger daughter, is hiding somewhere safely. Michael gives Arkin the combination to the safe which contains a gun. Arkin finds Victoria, the wife, and has her distract the intruder while he gets to the safe. Arkin gets the gun, which has no bullets, and pockets the ruby. Yeah, okay. 
So while searching for Hannah, he finds a trunk containing a bloodied Larry. Now, Larry is the guy from the beginning of the film. So remember that couple went and found a trunk? And they're like, oh, Oh, yeah, 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 okay. So Larry explains that the masked man is a collector of people. <laughs> and I can't, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to do so much foreshadowing. I can't wait to get to the end of the next film synopsis to reveal why he's a collector of people. Are we doing that today? Uh, we, we are. It's, it's all going to happen. It's all going how, down. How, long, how much time have we got uh, here? Paige, we're going to, we'll record this. We'll record the second synopsis next week. All on the one day? <laughs> <laughs> What a special episode, a special <laughs> celebration. Now, he's a collector of people. He only collects one person per household and kills the rest. Y- yes. <laughs> yes. And he collects them in these trunks. Okay. So horrified. Which he brings to the new house that he's collecting from. I, yeah, actually, that doesn't make any... Why would he... So bought... he's only collected Larry. He has a collection of one. No, he has a bunch of them, is the implication, that he's been doing this for a while. And he's left, he's, has he brought them with him? Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. I guess maybe he was doing two in the same night, maybe? Yeah, okay. I guess. It's pretty but hard. he also had to set up all the traps. <laughs> <laughs> in like a two hour. <laughs> all right, okay. So horrified, Arkin flees while the collector locks Larry back in the trunk. Back in the basement, Arkin discovers Michael is now dead. So at some point, there's a, there's a long scene where the collector goes and tortures both Michael and his wife, and it's like nice. like yeah, uh, nice. it's it, like he like he cuts off her tongue. He like disavows oh, her, but it's like there's no if he's a collector of people <coughs> and he collects one person, he kills the rest. Why is he torturing that? Like it doesn't. There's no real like why are the traps? Why like none of it? None of his. Like none of the d- d- separate parts of his personality make up to a whole character that yep. you're like, I yep. get why they do why they do. Yep. Okay, so he frees Victoria even though she's been tortured. As they make their way out of the basement, she sees Michael's corpse, which is basically half a body with heaps of intestines on the ground. <laughs> Panics, which alerts the collector at the top of the stairs, who stabs her several times and she falls back down the stairs while Arkin is still hiding. Uh, and then the collector stomps down the stairs, grabs her by the leg, goes into another room while Arkin watches this and is like, oh, no, God. Anyway, so at this point... How does the, how does the collector remember where all his traps are? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, all right. So Jill arrives home with her boyfriend, Chad. Um, great death name. R.I.P. Chad. Now, as the two prepare to have sex on the kitchen table, and there is actually kind of a fun scene where they're like, they're sort of... They're doing that walking, kissing thing as they're like walking from room to room and sort of being like, where are we? And they're like, are we going to go up the stairs? And their foot almost goes on the nails. And it's like, no, let's not go to the bedroom. (laughs) And then they're like, are we going to go into this room? And they almost, you know, pull a tripwire. It's like, we're not. And then they're like, no, let's have saucy sex on the kitchen table. Mm. So as the two prepare to have sex on the kitchen table, actual Mm. line from this Wikipedia synopsis, they (laughs) notice the collector watching them. Chad attacks him, but is then killed. First of all, he gets stabbed in the hand by the collector. Then the collector pushes his arm into another trap that had one of those, like, office guillotines that chops off his fingers. (gasps) Uh, And then, and then, and then, this is the dumbest trap, because this would have been impossible to set up, and 
basically like this, the room he's pushed in is one of those, like I'm not an architect, but like some rooms are basically transit rooms where it's like this room will get me to, from the kitchen to the front door, but it's a room in the middle, right? It's one of those rooms, right? Yeah, okay. So he gets pushed into this. hallways, but yeah, that's good. <laughs> he gets pushed into this room where the floor is covered in bear traps. <laughs> and so they all snap. One of them snaps on his face. It's gross, but it also looks pretty cheap. <laughs> it was like a Simpsons episode or something. That's good. Super dumb. Arkin then, uh, oh, Jill manages to make a 9-11 call before she's captured. He's tied up with barbed but she wire. she doesn't get stabbed in the No, wait, by the, wait, wait, oh, wait. Yeah. No, no, because he ties her up for some reason, ties her up with barbed wire to the stairs. Somehow in the craziness, Arkin manages to free him. He's like, go make a call to 911. She makes a call to 911, somehow manages not to get stabbed in the ear. Yeah. Uh, before being. Uh, um... Oh, no, 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 no. So this is what happens. This is what happens. All right. Yeah. So she manages. I love that you're relying half on Wikipedia and half on your own excited well, no, recollections. Because awesome. it's like, it's, it's, it's really like a lot happens and it's very confusing because <laughs> the plot is very. Like I said before, they have to do a lot of work to make people fall into traps. Mm. So, like, the plot is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. <laughs> so she manages to make a call to 911 on her cell phone before being captured and tied up with barbed wire. Arkin then frees her, but she doesn't trust him because she hasn't seen him before. And she's like, no, you're probably the dude just not wearing the mask. And so she runs away only to be killed by another trap in which she is basically pulled by, like, a tripwire sort of catapults her into a wall that's covered in nails. And so she's basically catapulted into a wall and then she's sticking to this wall with all these nails impaling her. Ugh. Imagine, like, how your vic- like your victim's never going in the part of the house that you'd set up all these traps. <laughs> you'd be like, oh, I can't wait till someone goes into this trap. And then no one does. And you're like, ah. <laughs> now, Arkin then escapes the house alone but looks back in and sees the collector is getting close to where Hannah, the youngest daughter, is. So he changes his mind and he re-enters the house because he's like, he needs to save the young girl. Now, at this point, how do you kill a trap serial killer? You have to set your own trap. So a big part of this film is turning the trap tables onto the collector. So Arkin then prepares a trap to kill the collector that's about having, he will push over, like, the daughter's aquarium and then she will push over a TV. They'll basically lure him into the room and they'll electrocute him. That's the plan. Yeah, like that's not how electricity works, no. of course. But yeah, but that, annoyingly, annoyingly, Larry, the guy from the suitcase, who the guy from the trunk, who's basically like, yeah, yeah. I know what the collector does, comes in instead, triggers the trap, and then he gets electrocuted. Oh, so it does work. So it does work. Arkin gets to Hannah and sends her down a laundry chute in the basement to hide. Before Arkin can do the same, the collector knocks him out, ties him up, and then brutally tortures him. Again, like, hangs his hands up by hooks, knocks teeth out, does all this stuff, and it's like, why? Like, what? Like, why? You're a collector of people. Who's he collecting? Like, is he collecting the stuff? It doesn't look... Well, we haven't even worked out... I I assume he wants to collect Hannah, but who the fuck knows, right? Because she's the only one who's remained unscathed. Anyway, finally, a police officer is on their way, responding to Jill's 9-11 call, but is killed by the collector's dog. Oh, it turns out also the collector has a dog who's, like, really (laughs) vicious. Taking advantage of the distraction, Arkin frees himself and discovers a dead Victoria 
and armed explosives in the basement. So the collector there, there are four different components to this serial killer, right? <laughs> this serial killer trains attack dogs, so as an attack dog serial killer. Yeah. This serial killer is a bomber, right? Yeah. A munitions expert. This serial killer is a trap expert, and this serial killer is a torturer. Mm. Like all like they are four different killers merged into one. <laughs> And also, he's, he's apparently a collector, though we haven't seen any evidence of collecting, mm-hmm. apart from Larry being let out of the trunk. It makes no sense. And it was just hidden in the wardrobe. Like, they open a wardrobe and there's the trunk. So the collector's like, this is perfect. Like, <laughs> all of my intricate traps, but I'll just hide one of these in the wardrobe. Done. All right. Okay. So... Taking advantage of the distraction, Arkin frees himself and discovers a dead Victoria and armed explosives in the basement. After kill, okay, so then, like, uh, like I don't think the dog, like the dog didn't doesn't know any better. Like it doesn't yeah. mean to be an attack dog. It is. He horrifically kills this dog. Like basically, mm. yeah. In fact, I'm not even going to describe it because it's awful. Uh, mm. But he kills it with a flaming bucket, and then the collector's like, "My dog's in trouble," and goes after it. And he manages to lure the collector into one of his how own does traps. the dog not set off traps? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, how the fuck? Manages to lure the collector into one of his own traps by hiding behind a mirror. So the collector thinks he's chasing them, but it turns out it's a mirror. And then he walks under the chandelier that had knives attached to it. And then they let that chandelier go. And then it falls on the collector and he gets stabbed by the knife chandelier. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. Arkin then escapes with Hannah. Seeing approaching police cars, Arkin runs into the road to get their attention and is hit by one of the cars. <laughs> he sees Hannah carried away. At first, he sees her being carried away by the collector and he's like, no, but then realizes he's hallucinating and realizes it's one of the cops who puts her into a police car. And he tells the police that the collector was an exterminator working at the chase house. The explosives detonate and destroy the house, but the collector gets away unharmed. While Arkin is being taken. What ta- about his collection? <laughs> Did he just blow up the whole thing that, that he was doing it for? Wait, wait, wait. So Arkin is being taken to the hospital, but the collector ambushes the ambulance. It falls on its side. He opens up. He stabs one of them through the eye and kills everyone except Arkin, whom he kidnaps. In a post credit scene, the collector watches slide film slides on the trunk containing Arkin, who threatens to kill him and is like, let me out, let me out. So that's the end of The Collector, which is followed by The Collection. Peach, at this point, what do you reckon is the backstory of our master villain, The Collector? Uh, Something happened in childhood, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I suspect he was just denied a toy or something like that. (laughs) Like, he was sort of denied some... I think it's a more capitalist movie than we we tend to like. He 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 was denied something he wanted, he wanted to own... And was denied it at or around the time his mum was run over in a trap. Oh, yeah. Where does the traps come from? You are going to be so surprised when you find out uh, (laughs) the history of The Collector in its sequel from 2012, The Collection. All right, headphones up. No more, no less. Oh, so in 2006, this Adelaide rapper called Delta released this album called The Lostralian, right? 
And um, it was at the time one of the more interesting Australian rap records I'd heard. And for a long time, I've, I've said, oh, it's probably my favourite Australian rap record. And I wouldn't have listened to it in 10 years easily. And so I recently went back to it. And I went back to that track, my favourite track, which is the title track. And it has that huge Mark B beat that just comes out like a bullet a gate. Just going, just that, that urgency, that intensity. Pulsing through Shag, you were dancing at your end. And I was like, this is pretty good. And then I sort of dived into some of the lyrics to the song. And I was like, yeah, hang on, what's this all about again? And, you know, in the first verse we have, uh, for one... Oz Idol is a waste of time. So Delta's straight in going hard at this old show Australian Idol that essentially was a pop star surge. And then he explained that when his album's done, respect will come like a slouch hat and badge of the rising sun. And what I thought was, it's very difficult to make a timeless work. (laughs) (laughs) And this is certainly a failure to make a timeless work of art. That beat, Shag, I think you and I will agree, remains undeniable. And I would hear any rapper alive on that. I think the intensity is huge. And I think it is one of the best beats I've heard. But the idea of someone in the rap scene whinging about, like, quote, quote, manufactured pop stars, or in the alternative, explaining how respected military service should be, both strike me as very jarring and strange things for a rapper to be saying. And... I don't think they've aged particularly well. So luckily I got to interview Delta in 2006 and we didn't get along that well. So um, he won't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> and um, it's just, there's also a bit of melancholy in listening back to a song that I look back on with such fondness and realising that it is certainly not timeless. Shag, it's tough times. Hopefully this episode will be timeless, though. I mean, it wouldn't be a celebration of Spooko without Mm. a segue where I had no idea where you were going that ended up in Ozrap and your huge foray into it in the early noughties. Shout out to Lord, who recently said the early noughties seemed so far away. Honest to God, they seem like they were yesterday. My God. <laughs> uh, especially when I do this podcast with you. But I, I, I think you make, a, you, you make a really good point there. It's like, it is hard to make a timeless work of art. Mm. But I think what's good about today's films is mm. that they don't really seem to exist. Like The Collector and now The Collection, which you're about to watch the trailer for. They mm. don't really seem to exist in any era because the only point of these films and this is from a review that Vulture did of The Collection which is the Mm. sequel to The Collector where we're about to find out why he's The Collector and what he's doing which is really funny and I'm very excited for you to know why he's The Collector. (laughs) The Collection isn't so much a movie as it is a grab bag of gruesome ideas shorn of purpose and that's what these hardcore horror flicks are. They're like how can we just stitch together a bunch of increasingly insane and gross death scenes with some sort of a plot. What I think is cool about that is, to your point about timeless art, basically you could watch the collection at any point in time and both be grossed (laughs) out and also like, what the fuck is this story? So the collection is potentially timeless, Shag, is what what you're saying. It is a timeless work of art. That's what I'm trying to say. The The collection is a timeless work of art. Pitch... We've never done this before. We've never gone like straight into number two. Are you ready to find out what's happened to Arkin? Spoiler alert, he's not dead. And are you ready to find out exactly why the collector collects people? I actually really can't wait to find (laughs) out why the collector collects people. Where is this place? 
people still missing. Grieving families are seeking answers. I'm working for a man whose daughter's gone missing. She's all I have. Find her. Was she alive? Last time I saw her. I've got 48 hours before she's dead. You want to find this guy, you got to start at the beginning. You better be prepared. Bring everything you got. Because if he catches you, he's going to make you wish you were dead. You're the only person to see the inside of this hotel and live. It's built like a maze. The whole place is rigged. This is a podcast about genre films, and normally that allows you to communicate clearly about what your film's about. Now, that trailer is one of the most confusing (laughs) trailers I think I've ever seen. I have no idea what sort of movie it is. Secret dance party with a, like, murderous machine coming down on the secret dance party. No idea what movie that is. Uh, Surprising amount of guns. Like, in horror film, we don't really see a lot of Mm. guns. Uh, and then there's a sort of detective story. And then there's almost like a science fiction-y element. That's just confusing and vague. And do even horror fans like this one, Chad? Peach, this is... Uh, it's, it is, it's a cult series. <laughs> Let's go back to that. But, I mean, this is one of those... Like, I've wanted to do this for a while because mm. the more you spend time in the horror... Kombucha, what's up? The more you spend time in the horror corner of the metaverse... The more you see, you know, there are films that get sort of talked about and spoken about. You know, Terrifier and, you know, the potential sequel of Terrifier was one. And Mm. this series is one as well. So, uh, first of all, so the first film's called The Collector. This film's Mm. called The Collection. They're apparently in production of a film called The Collected as the third film, which I think is tough because... I can't really think of any more permutations of collect that yep, are going to work. Yep. Collectibles. <laughs> the collectibles. Um, that's number four. Yeah, that's about as far as I could get. Collection. Like, I actually quite quite enjoy them as sequel names, frankly. If, if, you, if people still, and in fact, horror films still absolutely do buy Blu-rays and DVDs, they would look nice in a box set on your shelf. Mm. The three next to each other. The fifth one's just called Collect, I think. Sort uh, of and then the sixth one's a reboot, so it's called The Collector. Exactly. And then we just keep going. The Collector H20. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, I know this has been the fucking longest Spooko episode ever. And yep. I just want to say there's a reason. And we had two intros. We had two, we've had two intros. We had a long-ass intro where we went over the rules of horror films. We've also given this one some extra rules because, mm. you know, traps movies are a thing and they're a genre yes. pretty much spawned by Saw and all of its writers. But, mm. Peach... This film has pretty much every hallmark of a horror film in it. I've been so excited to do this, but I realized I couldn't do it without setting the scene with the collector first. Yes. Now that you've got the platform of the collector, here's the Mm. collection. So first of all, starts off with a flashback. You love a good flashback. (laughs) But if you're going to start off in the past, just start off in the past. (laughs) That's chronological order and that's fine. Tell your story in order. All right. What I love about this and, you know, my point before about how the collection and, you know, this series could exist anywhere because it's just about the traps. There's Mm. no time period. It just literally says in the past. In the past. There's a person called Mr. Peters consoling his daughter, Eleanor, over the passing of Eleanor's mother. Suddenly, 
a truck hits the car, injuring. Now I haven't seen this film. So as well. are they are they in a car? I haven't I feel like seen the this film, so I have, I've only seen the kill count of this film. So but is Mr. Peters and his daughter in a car? I think they're in a car together. Okay. Classic Wikipedia. <laughs> a truck hits their car, injuring Mr. Mm. Peters and leaving Eleanor trapped in the car. A strange mm. man appears to break the car's window and saves the young girl. Yes. That's the beginning of the collection. And that happened in the past. That happened in time. the past, just sometime right. in the past. Yeah. Now, 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 wait, like wait, The wait. start of this episode <laughs> happened in the past. Like, <laughs> like everything that's ever happened happened in the past. Now, now, wait, wait, wait. This is where we split into three timelines. Because oh a God. few weeks after the events of the first film, so now we're a couple of weeks yes. after The Collector. Yes. The teenage version of Eleanor Peters. But sorry. So, sorry. Are we to think that the order goes flashback car accident? Yes. Then events of Collector. Yes. And then and the then Collector. three weeks have passed and we're now in the contemporary world of The Collector. We do. We do. Because now we have a teenage Eleanor and her friends, Missy and Josh, going to a super cool underground party. Yes, yep, 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 I'm with you. Now, Eleanor there witnesses her boyfriend, Brian, with another woman. She leaves the dance floor, which gives her a reason to leave the dance floor, and enters an isolated room. In the room, Eleanor finds a box which our hero from the first film, Krim with a Heart of Gold, who was searching for a ruby, Arkin, is enclosed in. Now, once again, this is the fucking collector's modus operandi of... If he's collecting people, why is he bringing his last one? And it was weeks ago. Why is he bringing Arkin? Yep. Yeah, what's going on? Can I also ask, Shag, you've been involved in Sydney nightlife for some time and will likely be involved in it again. How easy is it to get lots and lots of people excited to show up at a dance party? <laughs> like, it's fucking near impossible. Like I was going to say. So the, so the collector is not only... like he, He's four things, I think, as we covered in the first half of the episode. <laughs> he's a bomb expert. He's a trap expert. He's a serial killer. He's a dog he's trainer. He's a torturer. He's a dog trainer. And he's an extremely good nightclub promoter. Like, no one's heard of this nightclub and he's got it jumping. And I know this as an aging <laughs> DJ. It's yep. exponentially harder to be involved in nightlife culture the older you get. And I'm guessing the collector's quite old. So somehow, he's like a 50-year-old promoter that everyone's like, yep. this collector, he fucking runs the best parties. But surely if you were a 50-year-old nightclub promoter, there'd be like a cult of personality you'd have to have built around you to be like, that's one of the collector's parties. Like, you got to get there. Oh, Any- no. Anyway, okay, so Eleanor mm. carefully opens the latches, then Arkin pushes open the box and pulls Eleanor down as a steel spear suddenly impacts. So I'm guessing there was some trap. It-, it was basically a trap to kill somebody else. Mm. He was bait. Eleanor, never impaled, one of my favourite three-word <laughs> phrases in a Wikipedia synopsis ever. Well, in fairness, you and I have never been impaled either. So it's, no, it's actually, Peach like never impaled. <laughs> Peach <and> Sha- <laughs> Shag never impaled. <laughs> Peach never impaled. That's <laughs> uh, going to be my new LinkedIn bio. <laughs> never impaled. The, the headline. <laughs> Okay, all right, okay, all right. (laughs) My pronouns are he and him. My adjective is never (laughs) impaled. All right, okay. Eleanor, never impaled, accidentally sets off the collector's massive death trap by hitting a switch and a massive razor saw, which kind of looks like an old school lawnmower. Mm. begins killing half of the party. Now, what this is what I love, right? Okay, so you see this giant lawnmower go over the party and start just shredding people's t- 
chop bodies in half and like blood it's it's disgusting yeah. but i love the fact that it kills people including josh and the dj so just so we know the like also new rule was the dj impaled because i feel it didn't say the dj was, <laughs> <laughs> but also new rule if you're a dj in a spooky horror scene like yes. dj's die for like right, like man. you are expendable but also like not can we not add like old timey steampunk engineer to his list of expertise <laughs> like to create this apparatus <laughs> Like, it must be immensely heavy. It must be powered by something. <laughs> well, wait wait till you find out who he gets to help okay. him. Like, there's a little bit of a window into the way he works later on. Now, Eleanor now retrieves the key to rescue Arkin, allowing them to leave the room. Again, I haven't seen this. I don't know where this key was. But anyway, yep. amidst the bloody killing of the collector's victims, Brian tries to escape uh, because... Okay, so some of them get out of this room. They yep. run down this hall... And there's heaps of tripwires everywhere because, you know, like... As does he collect the people he's killed? Sorry, like, are we going to learn this <laughs> in the... Got, we're going to find out. We're going to find out, <laughs> okay? All these people trip over tripwires, which makes all these machetes come out of nowhere and slice them in the neck. So mm-hmm. now most of the people have died. And Eleanor watches in horror, then proceeds to help Missy, the last of the survivors, as they are trapped and about to be crushed by an elevator. So they get... They, they run off this dance floor. They get herded into a elevator where the elevator just slowly crushes them all like just coming from above and she just watches watches them all get crushed <sighs> the, the collector finally arrives and kills the remaining of the last survivors by crunching them into corpses as eleanor cries <laughs> that's actually a good way i turned some people into corpses i crunched them into is, it, is just a good way to be like yeah that's what happened they used to be people they used to be alive then i made them into corpses and it also sounds like something a giant would say in a fairy tale it's like i crunch them into corpses you know like <laughs> to make my bread <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Arkin has released himself and makes way to a window and escapes by grabbing Brian's corpse to break the window over the club. The collector appears and kidnaps Eleanor while Arkin escapes by jumping out of a window, landing on a car and breaking his arm in the process. So the collector's formed a view that everyone in the club ought to die save Eleanor, who he wants to kidnap. Yes. Uh, And so collect, sorry... This is part of the modus operandi we saw, isn't it? Yeah. You kill most people in wherever you are and you collect one. Mm. But it feels weird that he'd already collected Arkin a couple of weeks ago, then brought Arkin to the place as like a, another trap and then leaves with just Eleanor. So he could have just not done any of this nightclub stuff and he still would have <laughs> had one, but like he still would have collected a person. All of that was for nothing. But as well, surely he'd be the easiest to catch... Because he must have spent months <laughs> setting setting this up. And also, like, there would be a paper trail about this party. He'd be like, well, cool, exactly. okay, let's work out who bought this party. And also all the machinery purchasing. Like, it would be a complete nightmare. You'd have to have trucks driving this machinery to the nightclub. Unless he's also a metallurgist and a truck driver. And a party promoter. And a munitions expert. And he's got all these collected people sitting in trunks. Is the collector the smartest man? Like, the collector is maybe the greatest mind we've had since, like, Leonardo da Vinci. Like, the collector is unbelievable. um, What was the name of the Halloween 3? Doctor whoever from Halloween 3 was harnessing (laughs) Stonehenge. Who invented sentient (laughs) robots. (laughs) robots. (laughs) But he only invented them to bring forth the new age of witchcraft. Yeah, yeah. Look, episode 8 or so of Spooko, you need to go back and listen to that That is honestly one of our least listened to and one of my favourites. Like, it is 
extremely funny. And it, yeah. it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. It's the only yeah. Halloween film that has nothing to do with Michael Myers. We are cool guys. All right. Okay. Arkin is later taken to the hospital where he is arrested by the police and put under constant surveillance due to his own criminal record. Now, I think it's interesting that we hint to his past as a crim with a heart of gold. Because remember in the last film, three weeks ago, he was trying to steal a ruby to pay off the loan sharks that the mother of his child needed to pay. We don't like. Yes. We don't know what happened now, there. Isn't Elena his girlfriend in this? No, no. Elena is just a girl that, he's, that rescued him from the box. Ah, okay, sorry. Yes, yes, I'm back. I'm with you. So... As far as we know, the mother of his child is dead and his child is an orphan. As far as we know. As far right. as we know. No, actually, I don't think it gets revealed at all. My point okay, is cool. they, don't go, they don't do anything into his backstory at all. It's like, eh, well, that was a plot device in the last film. We've got heaps of new plot devices in this <laughs> one. Just wait. Just wait. Okay. All right. After suffering nightmares of his torture from the collector, he is approached by Lucello an employee of Eleanor's wealthy father. Now, remember, Eleanor was saved by a strange man at the start. Uh, this wealthy father who has hired a team of mercenaries to hunt the collector down and save Eleanor. Lucello implies that if Arkin leads them to the collector's hideout, he will expunge Arkin's record, which I'm like, it's just like, he's just Lucello. He'll just clear your record. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll expunge it. Peach, can I, I ask, as a lawyer... Yeah. And, mm. and, you know, I, like, I've, I've had some, you know, driving um, misdemeanors in the past. Mm. How hard is it to just go and just clean someone's record? No idea. <laughs> but also, I've no idea why it matters particularly. Like, his, like, wasn't his job a handyman? Yeah, exactly. And didn't he get a job as a handyman employed by a very wealthy family yeah, in did. the previous film? Yeah, so it appears that his criminal record's not causing him any problems. <laughs> so this isn't a great inducement for him. <laughs> okay. So... Arkin leads the mercenary group to the collector's base, an abandoned Ar- hotel. Oh, yeah, so Arkin was there. Yes, Arkin was there. So Arkin leads the mercenary group, hired by Lucello, to the collector's base, an abandoned hotel. Meanwhile, Eleanor, who's inside, witnesses a man being tortured before escaping from the trunk. Upon the team's arrival, Arkin refuses to go inside but Lucello forces him in at gunpoint to guide them through the hotel, even though he's never been. Yeah, there. hang on. Well, no, isn't that where he was tortured? Isn't that where Arkin... Like, are we not left to assume uh, yeah, of course. Arkin might have been yeah. there for three weeks? No, you're right, you're right, of course. Think, and that's I think, why. I think we assume that. That yeah. makes sense. Cool. The collector re-enters the room and notices Eleanor has escaped before being alerted to the team's presence. I feel like for someone who's the greatest trap designer on earth... <laughs> To fail to secure a box <laughs> in a way that the person in the box can't escape. There's just a bit of a uh, willing suspension of disbelief there that I'm not necessarily prepared to make. Okay, we'll wait for this. Wait for this. Because this is another one of my fave horror tropes that we didn't get to in the rules at the start of this episode. Upon entering the hotel, the team is attacked by various people who the collector has captured and driven insane with drugs. So, <laughs> are there any dogs in this film? There is a dog towards the end, but basically, the collector has a bunch of henchmen who are people who's he's driven insane with drugs. He's driven, he's driven insane and obedient and obedient with drugs to him, to him. And, use, and use drugs to do it. <laughs> So he's like a master pharmacist. So he's like eight things. Maybe he's better than Dr. Bloggs trying to bring on the ancient yeah. ancient world of witchcraft. He might magic. actually be the greatest villain of all time. Yeah. Yep. 
So one member of the mercenary team named Lin, now don't get too attached to Lin, <laughs> is, is immediately stabbed and killed by the collector. Yeah, so he's no longer known as Lin Never Impaled. <laughs> Arkin. Never stabbed. <laughs> I love that he walk in. He's like, guys, it's me, Lynn. Never stabbed. It's Lynn. Never stabbed. Oh shit. Okay. All right. Okay. Arkin takes the opportunity to escape from Lucello. Eleanor discovers another trunk and opens it. A seemingly innocent girl named Abby steps out. Seemingly. Sorry. Sorry. A seemingly innocent mm. girl. Mm. So you accidentally didn't say innocent girl there. A couple of weeks ago, while mm. we were recapping Chuck Tingle's straight. We were talking about how hard it is to build tension in yes. horror prose. And yep. one of the things Wikipedia often does is by being like, here's a character that may or may not be innocent. <laughs> <laughs> and every time, every single time, they're not innocent. But still, part of me is like, maybe this time. I'm reading Lord of the Rings to our eldest at the moment. And um, it's our pre-bedtime reading. And we're just at the stage where... Um, Sam and Mary, Pippin, Frodo and Strider are on Weathertop and they're just seeing the dark shadows crawling up towards them. And it's properly reasonably scary. And it sort of led me to understand that pretty much the way you make things scary is to show, don't tell. And so to have the like, <laughs> seemingly innocent <laughs> does suck all, the, um, suck all the drama out of it. But I guess that's our curse for using Wikipedia, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be critical for that. Yeah, so Abby is a seemingly innocent girl. She steps out of the box, pleads to Eleanor for help before following her through the hotel to look for a way out. I love that. I'm not under the collector's control as a result of drugs, <laughs> having been driven insane. I'm just an innocent girl. <laughs> I'm just a seemingly innocent girl. Yeah. You can trust me. And don't bother looking past the seeming innocence. It is probably <laughs> genuine innocence. If it looks like innocence, it quacks like innocence. There yeah, you go. It probably is innocence. It probably is innocence. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lucello's mm. team of mercenaries Minus the never stabbed Lynn. <laughs> and Arkin discover an unknown man. This is actually really funny. This was in one of the Kill Count videos mm. who starts walking towards them. His, his whole neck has been stitched up and he cries and repeats that he didn't make it as he moves closer to the team. When the team of mercenaries are like, what do you mean didn't make it? He looks up, suddenly no longer crying. He answers simply, I didn't make it into the collection before baring his teeth and screaming at Lucello and his team, and neither will you. Suddenly, we hear a beeping, and the man's head explodes, spraying the team with blood. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he's been driven insane, (laughs) not necessarily with drugs, but we don't know. Yeah. To want to become a part of the collection. Peach, strap yourself in. It keeps going, okay? Yeah, okay. So a man named Dre is then speared by a trap and dies. <laughs> Dre never impaled. <laughs> Dre, Dre seemingly never impaled. Man, actually, this, this Wikipedia synopsis does so many good things, and one of them is suckering me into enjoying character. Like It's like, here's this character, here's how they die immediately. <laughs> While wandering the hotel in separate groups, Arkin, Eleanor, and Lucello's team all encounter live humans being experimented on and human body parts rearranged to resemble insects, which are displayed in elaborate glass cases that are backlit. What? 
I feel like this is another. I know. Like, I know. Human centipede element. So he's like eleven different <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. 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 He's an artist as well. Okay. He must sleep less than five <laughs> hours a night. <laughs> he must just. Could you imagine? Like, there needs to be like a big LinkedIn post about being like, you know, what time the collector wakes up? Three <laughs> thirty. Gets I, up. I bet he <laughs> listens to Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast at two and a half speed. Like he's just. And there'll be heaps just... of memes about like you have as many hours in the day as the collector. <laughs> in two thousand and eight, the collector was just getting started on learning how to collect people. He was only collecting one house at a time. <laughs> yeah. And by twenty, like you know, don't worry about what you're up to today, because you know, even the collector started somewhere. Here's like the motivational story of the century, and it's what I needed right now. This lockdown is killing me. All right, okay. The collector's TED talk would be pretty. <laughs> Can you cause... imagine the collector's TED talk? <laughs> Fuck! What would oh, he even focus like about, on? No, it'd be like about neuroplasticity or something. Where he'd be like, "Did you know the human brain's amazing, and that we're <laughs> capable of so much more than you ever believed?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, fucking well done, collector." All right, now remember, um, they're all walking separately until Lucello and his team find Arkin and attempt to detain him again. Arkin spots the collector above on a walkway, preparing to throw a hook down at the team. They ignore his attempts to warn them. Not which is... a hook. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, 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 wait. And... Luchello never hooked. He's got to be looking out for this. Well, well, well. And then Wally, a member of the team. Now, please don't get too attached to Wally. <laughs> but we've got his name, Shaq. Surely we're learning his name so we can really find out about his adventures. Is killed by a hook, like, stabbing into his face and then, like, picking him up and ripping his face off. Other members of Lucello's team are also killed or captured. They don't even get names. Eleanor is discovered to have a hearing aid by Abby, who claims to be the collector's favourite and is reluctant to break his rules. Abby, Eleanor is discovered. Remember, so remember, Eleanor is our, yes. our hero. Abby is the one, is the seemingly innocent. innocent. And now Abby has said that she's the collector's favourite and has said that Eleanor's hearing aid is going to put her at a disadvantage for the collector. Okay. Because the collector likes collecting people with no hearing. Well, he's okay. ableist too. So, oh, like, I know we put is. him on a pedestal, but everyone has, everyone has, like, you know, a terrible side to <laughs> he's them. He's like Steve Jobs. He's like, he's done all this stuff, but he's not a great player. Yeah, he's like, he's the collector. I'm sorry to cancel the collector. <laughs> But he's a bit of a dickhead. All right, okay. So, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm sorry to cancel him. So, all right. So, Abby screams that Eleanor is at a disadvantage, which is a tough thing to scream. It's like, you're at a disadvantage. But as well, like, in what capacity? I'm not sure Eleanor's like, oh, can't, can't wait to join the collection. <laughs> the two are then separated when the collector finds them. Later, Eleanor and Lucello reunite. Rescue Paz and find out. No, they no, they haven't met. No, they haven't. (laughs) But but they reunite. Well, I mean, I guess they have. They unite, rescue Paz, and find Abby, who asks to escape with them. Eleanor. Oh, and Abby's like, don't worry, I'm also innocent. Now, Eleanor, remembering Abby's earlier outburst, pleads with Lucello not to trust her, but he nevertheless allows Abby to accompany the group. They find a room with a small window that they cannot escape through. But they see two homeless men outside. Wait. Okay, wait. Oh, I'm so sorry. People experiencing homelessness, like, I feel like 
yeah anyway yes go and, and and every single person unless you're a billionaire are like you know it's that thing where it's like you're two episodes of bad luck away yep. from being homeless like yeah, it is not a moral yep. failing it is a societal failing yes. shout out to that ex-school friend who was like billionaires are the best people on the earth if you're homeless you deserve it fuck you my dude there's nothing morally bad about not having heaps of cash hugely hugely agree anyone experiencing homelessness shout outs and good luck and much love to you and yours well clearly the creators of the collection aren't as can i just, can I, can I just interrupt to completely just go 90 degrees one okay. of the nicest charities i'm aware of at the moment um uh like vets without borders who go and help treat for free the pets of people experiencing homelessness because often they're the most valuable relationships that people experiencing homelessness get to enjoy and so they just get free these these this vet charity gives free veterinary care to the companion animals um for people in a tough spot which i think is just a lovely charity and it's like any sort of charity that treats people who are at a disadvantage as people and doesn't condescend to them and doesn't just throw money at it i'm all aboard yeah hugely agree all right so with all of that in mind arkin who's our hero shoots one of the men knowing that reports of a shooting will draw the police's attention What? Yeah, yeah. So it uses one of the most disadvantaged men. So shoots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to feel much more relaxed about him getting tortured. If, if that's, uh... So Eleanor is horrified. So that... how is he better than the collector? Well, he, I mean, now he's not, right? But now yeah. Eleanor's kind of the hero. So Eleanor is horrified that Arkin may have killed an innocent man. But Lucello mm. praises Arkin's actions, and then this is—it's like well played. I don't know, and also what? I didn't know we weren't allowed to. I thought we weren't allowed to have quotes in this. We might get sued for me saying well played there. But also, if you're going to define a character by the fact society has turned its back on them, why do you expect the cops to be like, "What? Someone experiencing homelessness is injured." It's such pathetically underthought logic it's from a position of such massive privilege because the people who wrote this are the sort of people who trust the police and yeah. the sort yeah. of people who are immensely privileged. Yeah. Very, yeah. very bad writing, complete lack of perspective. So Abby then sabotages their efforts of escaping before being killed when Paz punches her and causes her to trip into one of the collector's traps. In the kill video I saw of this, it involves her stepping on some nails, which then take her into an Iron Maiden, which I'm Ugh. always blown away that this thing existed. They freak me out. Yep. Um, it's, you know, medieval torture is one of those things where every now and then I'll look it up because I'm a glutton for punishment and mm. it just makes me feel ill to my core that, you know, yep. these things happened. Yep. Ugh. The collector finds... Imagine opening it. Imagine cleaning the Iron Maiden the next day. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. yeah. Actually, really good point. Like, <laughs> that's the other thing. It's like only... A, well, actually, if the collector does it all, then the collector is at least cleaning up after himself. Yeah. Look, he's not sleeping. <laughs> he's not sleep. It'd be funny if he was really heavily... <laughs> if he was suffering from burnout. The collector's really burned out. But how good would the collector's like weeks off be where it's like he's just done a big collection trap thing and so he just spends a week off just chilling, waking up, early, like reading the paper, doing the crossword. <laughs> like just having like a night, but like in the back of his mind being like, I wonder who I'm going to collect next. I wonder what traps I want to do, but not making it a job, making it like, you know, reconnecting with his roots of like enjoying making traps. 
I reckon he'd go to like engineering museums and that sort of thing and be like, mm. oh, yeah, this is interesting. I and be asking know. like heaps of questions on the tour. Yeah, hugely agree. And like hugely. asking questions that the tour guides couldn't answer. Yeah, if like, mm, <laughs> could you turn that into a trap? <laughs> now, how would you turn that into a trap? <laughs> Look, I'm really interested in a steam engine. How does that? If that was not a train and more of a sort of trap, what would, what would that look like? <laughs> I put some nails on it. <laughs> some trip wires. <laughs> All right, okay. The collector finds them thanks to Abby's screams, and seems enraged upon seeing her body inside one of his traps. Now, remember, he wears a big sort of styrofoam mask, so he's sort of just like grunty and like... Like, you know, seemed enraged is right. He grabs Eleanor and escapes deeper into the building with her. As police converge at the hotel, the lights go out throughout the building. Lucello is caught in a trap and has to be left behind. Arkin and Paz find Eleanor strapped to an autopsy table... But when they approach, they are trapped in a cage that falls from above. Yes. But can you imagine a cage that falls from above? Your timing and your, like, the the strategy to get people to stand in the exact place and the timing to drop the cage at that exact point, like, you'd have to practice that. You couldn't do that first go. Just so so little sleep. I just (laughs) cannot comprehend how little sleep the collector must get. The collector... Appears. Oh, no, he'd be smug. No, he'd be the opposite. He'd be like Jeff Bezos. He'd be like, I get eight and a half hours sleep a night. And that's, <laughs> I prioritize sleep. That's why I'm so effective. That's that's what the collector would do. The collector appears and threatens to burn down the building, which is his base. It's it's like the collector just... He escaped inside the building and it's surrounded by police. The police want him to get out of the building. But Arkin manages to open the cage by having Eleanor re-break his arm so that he can reach the latch. The group escapes and finds an exit door to the building, but it is jammed from the outside. The collector appears again, kills Paz, and easily beats Arkin in a fist fight thanks to Arkin's broken arm. As the collector is about to kill Arkin, Lucello intervenes, having escaped from his trap, and sacrifices himself so that Arkin can gain the upper hand. Arkin beats the collector, throws him down a chute, and sets it on fire. As the building burns down, the firefighters hear Eleanor's screams and open the door from the outside, allowing Eleanor and Arkin to escape. As the two sit outside, Arkin notices a pile of trunks and upon searching inside them, finds the collector's burned mask with no corpse. Are you ready for the final paragraph? Are you ready to find out? Yeah, like, okay. (laughs) You ready? Does the flashback come into it? Okay, all right, all right. Sometime later... Arkin manages to track down the... Wait, okay, this is amazing. Yeah. Okay. But Arkin's a handyman, isn't he? He's a handyman. Yeah, okay. yeah. But he somehow manages to track down the collector's house by researching every registered entomologist, so scientists that, uh, that study insects, within a 200-mile radius of their last encounter. But surely, if you could do that, like if you do the search engine of that, you just narrow it down to be like entomologists who are munitions experts. (laughs) Well, we're we're assuming that's what's happened, right? Yeah. Arkin confronts the unmasked collector, holds him at gunpoint, and taunts him about his father, a museum curator who Arkin has learned was responsible for the collector's madness and modus operandi. That's all we get. He was a museum curator. What? The dad, the dad the was dad, the dad of the collector was a museum curator who drove him mad 
and is responsible for what the collector does now. Which is because he's an entomologist, collect dead people, rearrange them into insects, and display them like they're on, in a museum. <laughs> but he just burned his museum down. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And where is this museum? Because that was his base. How many museums does he have? Oh, yeah, he's got so many bases. But and also, as if like across the world, science has been defunded by right-wing governments. What entomologist has like dozens of millions of dollars to be doing this? He must get so much sleep, Shag. I just can't <laughs> comprehend how much sleep he must get. Arkin announces his intentions of torturing and eventually killing the Collector so that he can never harm anyone again. When the Collector tries to attack him, Arkin forces him into the red trunk and locks him inside while cursing him and bashing his fingers with the trunk. A really interesting point there about how violence and abuse begets abuse because obviously he is now torturing the Collector and, you know, the cycle never ends. But that is the end of the collection. I have no idea where they're going to go with the collected. Peach, what did you think of the first two films in the collector series? Um, I, I look. In fairness, I was quite gripped. So <laughs> look, they were not very good. But but I was I was in there. I was engaged. I was having fun. Um, look, they're very silly, but you know they're better than any stories I've managed to come up with. Um, I think it's I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. and so look, if we are comparing the work of professional experts to my stuttering hot takes as someone who's never seen any films in the genre, it is superior to my stuttering hot takes with someone with no experience. So congratulations on meeting that reasonably low bar. I'm not sure it goes much further past there, Shay. Can you account for the cult status? It's just bad. It's it's pretty inventive in its kills, and the kills are pretty full on. Yeah, okay. And people just kind of like traps. It's like after Saw, people were like, more traps. And yeah. <laughs> the collector's like, here you go, here's heaps more traps. <laughs> when people should have said more traps with a story that makes them all make sense. I mean, I love that Wikipedia synopsis so much. Mm. I, I'm kind of weirdly satisfied by the fact that yeah. He had an abusive museum curated. Like, I'm like, a museum, like, museum cre- curation, you need to be a bit of an empath. Like, it's the whole, none of it really makes any sense. Mm. And I think because of that, I'm quite satisfied with that backstory to the collector. And I think if the next one's called The Collected, then obviously um, Arkin is our villain, which I quite like the idea of, that, that he's learned everything from The Collector. Um, and so, Shag, perhaps this truly is. A timeless work of art. <laughs> that was a hundred episodes. Oh my god! Thank you, every single person. Yeah, who we did it. Sir. Can you believe we did it? I mean, we're just gonna keep doing this show. I think. Uh, I think maybe a thousand more episodes. We're gonna live forever. Yeah. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can, and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?